Welcome to Caldwell Medicine Review, episode 51. The only podcast in the world who has a host after 50 episodes still knows his show description is most likely grammatically incorrect. Let me read that again. Caldwell Madison Review is a discussion and analysis of news media, politics, and current events. I think it needs to be and an analysis. Caldwell Madison Review is a discussion and an analysis of news media, politics, and current events. It can't be just and analysis. When I originally wrote that, I just think I didn't want too many ands. I still knew it was wrong, or I'm pretty sure. It does not flow. Well, it is Thursday night, March 30th, 2017. Coming up on the weekend here, the song you're listening to is called Professor Umlaut. If I remember that from the last episode, I had to look it up how to say that word. It's U-M-L-A-U-T. Professor Umlaut by Kevin McLeod. He's got a website called Incompetech.com. The address is Incompetech.com. And you can check out his site for royalty-free music such as this and graph paper. Got a little bit of follow-up from my last episode episode 50 or I put 50% effort into everything that was the show's theme well I put a, I put 50% effort into listening there was an article on the hill let me pull it up no rush right Uh, yeah, so I was wondering if, uh, if this article on the Hill was representing this, uh, Chris Collins representative. If the Hill was, um, accurately reporting his message when he, because they only, they only quoted, like, three words out of his sentence, but they, they wrote the rest of it for him. And it was pretty accurate. I played the sound clip and I was talking, you know, flapping my jaw or whatever and looking at stuff, reading and not paying attention to the sound clip I was playing and then I, I didn't want to keep replaying the sound clip. So, there we had that. And, and yeah, the, the uh, article got it right. The, um, the uh, paragraph that I read from the article was voter opposition to the Republican health care bill is the result of misunderstanding and lawmakers will be able to quote really explain it end quote once it becomes law representative Chris Collins Republican New York said Thursday and upon listening uh, listening to it a second time yes they uh, they made an accurate re- uh, representation of what he said so yeah, much like a Nancy Pelosi kind of comment there when she said what? I think this article says it. We have to pass the bill so that you can find out what is in it. And that was Nancy Pelosi in 2010 commenting on Obamacare. As that was going through the House, and I believe that uh, they had a majority Democrat and all right, Democrat Congress and Senate. So I have a couple things to say about the healthcare. I believe last I said that Trump was going to sideline things. I think I read some of his tweets. He wrote about the Freedom Caucus or whatever. 
There is an article on Associated Press, a very short one and not a lot of details, but this is from March 28th that I noticed. AssociatedPress.org, uh, President, or, or the, the article is titled, Trump says he expects a health care deal soon. It goes on to say, President Donald Trump says he expects to make a deal on health care, even though his first attempt failed just a few days ago. Trump is hosting a reception for senators and their spouses at the White House. It attracted both Democrats and Republicans. He said the bipartisan crowd is a uh, very good thing, it's a quote, and predicts a deal on health care that will happen, quote, very quickly, and says, I know that we're all going to make a deal on health care, and that's such an easy one. Uh, and now... And then kind of courting Democrats, trying to at least, though I doubt they would want to budge on anything more, uh, I don't know, less regulatory or seen as conservative, I'm sure. Don't know if I have much else to say on that. There are some articles floating around saying that he is looking to make a deal that Democrats will like, although that's not, I don't think, anything that he said. I think he, he's always trying to court everybody. I mentioned in the last episode that, he, that some were speculating, maybe hopefully, that he wanted it to fail and to pass a full repeal. And speaking of full repeal, it looks like a U.S. representative... Mo Brooks from Huntsville, uh, Huntsville, let's see, introduced a bill on Friday, uh, and it's just one sentence. Effective as of December 31st, 2017, the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act is repealed, and the provisions of the law amended or repealed by such act are restored or revived as if such act had not been enacted. And that is the one sentence of that bill. Let me look that up real quick though. Maybe there's more to that story. I found that interesting, but I found that on a comment at the bottom of a YouTube video. So let me verify. There's a few articles. One AL.com, I don't know what that is. The Blaze, which I believe is Glenn Beck's media organization. Which I have a little bit of news about too. Further into the hour. So I got this article up on the Blaze and now well, internet's going a little slow, so I'm just gonna bring up one article here. Representative Mo Barks, a Republican from the fifth. Congressional District in Alabama has filed a bill simply titled Obamacare Repeal Act, and it contains one sentence, a sentence I read before. So, and I think, I don't, I don't, well, obviously it's not the same bill that passed the House before, but it's pretty similar ones, I'm sure. From my understanding, the ones that passed the House and then uh, Obama vetoed, I guess it's a bill that makes sense to me, but it's not one that Trump campaigned on. And I think a lot of Republicans wouldn't turn out to vote for that or would vote against it. Uh, and certainly Democrats would, would vote against that. You would think that Republicans would vote on that, but this is the climate that we're in. And just uh, touch on one more thing. There's a Marquette poll in Wisconsin, anyway. I guess I'm just in light of this whole healthcare thing with Ryan's failed bill. Um, Trump in Wisconsin has a higher approval rating than Paul Ryan. Now this is a poll among Republicans. It looks like, um, I'll pull up the poll too, but according to this article on Breitbart.com, 
titled Mar- Marquette Poll Trump More Popular Than with Wisconsinite or with Wisconsin GOP than Speaker Ryan. It says the uh, it says Trump is viewed favorably by 89% of Wisconsin Republicans, and it looks to be compared to 83% as Scott Walker and uh, 73% for Ryan. Now I'm opening up this poll here from law.marquette.edu. Looks to be the official Marquette University website. A new, uh, this is a, on, yes, on this website, a, an article titled New Marquette Law School Poll finds Trump approval rating at 41% in Wisconsin concerns about health care changes by Charles Franklin. New Marquette School Poll finds that President Donald Trump receives 41% approval rating among registered voters. So I mentioned the, of Republican voters before. 47% disapprove. 11% say they don't know whether they approve or not. Which is, yeah, so 47 disapprove to 41 approve. And keep in mind that Trump won Wisconsin. Unless you, uh, I guess, read the Washington Post and New York Times, and you probably think that the Russians hacked Wisconsin. Um, let's see. Among Republicans, 86 percent approve, 75 percent disapprove, 6 percent lack an opinion. Uh, was that did that line up with Breitbart? Let me look. 89 percent on Breitbart. Huh. Looks like Breitbart has an error. Breitbart says 89% among Republicans is Marquette poll, which they link to, says 86%. Did they pull that from somewhere else in the article? Nope. Unless they, uh, yeah, it looks like a mistake. I found a mistake on Breitbart. Yay me. Um, Don't look for mistakes in this podcast, please. I found some myself. Um, I, well, of course, I try to correct them. Um, let's see what else. And this uh, this article on Marquette doesn't have the data laid out in the best manner. It's kind of all scattered around. They give Governor Scott Walker a forty-five percent approval. Blah 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 blah. Anyway, I'm not going to get into Wisconsin stuff too much on to the next topic here's an article on mike.com I don't pull a ton, ton of articles from mike.com but why not tonight pretty progressive type publication that doesn't allow comments <laughs> uh, let's see how did Republicans in Congress and or how Republicans in Congress and Donald Trump are rolling back your internet privacy? As uh, and it goes on to say, assuming President Donald Trump signs the legislation, companies like Verizon and Comcast will soon be able to sell, to share or sell what you do online without your consent. In a party line vote, the House rolled back protections instituted by former President Barack Obama in 2016 that prohibited internet service providers from selling customers web histories. The Senate voted last week to kill the rules, but no Democrats supported the resolution in either chamber. So, sounds pretty bad. Did to me when I first read it, but then I thought, well, couldn't they always? And what about their privacy policy? Um... And also that they, this is something new that I think was put into law in October. So basically the the story is the internet is the same way, or or as as far as that goes, it's the same as it was less than a year ago. So if companies could, can do it now after Donald Trump signs this, they could always do it. 
and I'll get I'll get into more of that in a minute. Let me read a little bit from this Wall Street Journal article. With Washington's blessing, telecom giants can mine your web history. Congress's repeal of FCC privacy rules could be data boon for Verizon, Comcast, and AT&T. Article by Jack Marshall goes on to say, What if your telecom company tracked the websites you visit, the apps you use, the TV shows you watch, the stores you shop at, and the restaurants you eat at, and then sold the information to advertisers? In theory, it's possible given the stance Washington is taking on online privacy. Lawmakers on Tuesday voted to overturn privacy rules that require telecom companies to get customers' permission before sharing their web browsing and app usage history with third parties. The White House said Wednesday President Donald Trump intends to sign the measure into law. So I guess to put this into perspective, um, your ISP should have a privacy policy. Whether you get your internet through Comcast or one of these other companies, they seem to get fewer and fewer, unfortunately. It's always better when you have more options and you can vote with your dollar. You can vote for the ISP, Internet Service Provider, that provides the most privacy. But a lot of privacy policies say that they won't, they'll share your data, but they won't share identifiable data. Um, some companies will keep them for a certain period of time. Many of these companies have back doors to intelligence agencies. Your internet uh, browsing um, history was never safe, is I guess the point that I'm trying to make. Not completely safe anyway. Uh, now of course, if your ISP violates the terms, the contract or whatever or their obligations to protect your privacy and identify you you can always sue and uh, and another thing I'd like to point out too is uh, there are software there is soft or are there is software that's doing that right now a lot of apps do that you gotta look at the privacy policy AVG antivirus of all companies of all software types, antivirus, released, uh, they made the news about a year ago, a year or so ago regarding their privacy policy. In order to use the free version of ABG, uh, they would be able to sell your browsing history. And they collect your browsing history. ABG has multiple tools, such as Checking links, incoming, outgoing mail, all of which can be seen. Doesn't sound very private to me. Uh, so it's always been an issue. If there is good news out of this, I would say just nothing changed. Like I said before, the internet is the same way it was less than a year ago. Now, there was a bill signed that said they just couldn't do it no matter what. So that's my take on it anyway, meaning the bill was signed so an, an ISP, Internet Service Provider, could not exist with, I guess, a privacy policy that allows them to sell your history without, I guess, getting explicit permission from you. Now I didn't read that bill, but that would be what I would assume, I guess. What the, uh, what that means anyway. So but it, but it is created an uproar, of course. There's an article on the hill. Internet users raise funds to buy lawmakers browser or browsing histories in protest. I'll read a little bit from this article by Paulina Ferozzi, I think that's how to say it. Internet users are fighting back after Congress voted to block Obama-era internet privacy protections. Two fundraising campaigns have so far raised more than 
$215,000 to purchase and reveal lawmakers' browsing histories. Actor Misha Collins, the star of television show Supernatural, has raised more than $63,000 on his GoFundMe page. More than 3,000 people have donated to this page. It has a goal of $500 million. There is another article on... This is a new site for me. It's called Resistance Report. But I did verify that this is an article in other places too. Now, let's see. I did not bookmark this article properly. But anyway, I have a tweet regarding it. So I'll just pull that up. Max Temkin. Apparently he's the creator of that game Cards Against Humanity. Some people love it, some people hate it. Um, tweeting, if this shit passes, I will buy the browser history of every congressman and congressional aide and publish it. And he's commenting on another tweet by see Ars Technica House could vote tomorrow to let ISP sell your web browsing histories. Again, they always could. But still not good news for many. Seen as a hit for privacy. However, if you think about it technically, technically it is the free market way to not restrict companies from collecting and distributing data as long as they don't lie about it. Um, the unfortunate thing, I guess, about the, the whole situation is if they are allowed to do it, uh, I guess, well, there is kind of a monopoly as I see it on ISPs. There's not a lot of ISPs, not as many as there was. They seem to merge, and it could potentially become a situation where there's only a handful of ISPs and maybe it's already the situation now uh, where they can all kind of make a back door kind of deal with each other that they would all change their privacy policies so if you want internet tough luck they could all make their privacy policies to sell your data However, it's not all bad news. You can use a VPN or Tor. Now, Tor is free, and I believe it's pretty slow. Uh, however, you can pay for VPN service, which is fast, and if you wait for deals, you can get it really cheap. You can actually buy lifetime, I say, I'll say that in quotes, lifetime subscriptions, like for a single payment. You find deals like that once in a while. I guess that would be the lifetime of the company or until, I don't know, they find some way out of that contract. But uh, they're, they're cheap nonetheless. Uh, I guess the risk being with those is you have to find a VPN then with a good privacy policy or one that deletes any records that they have or doesn't keep any records. And all your browsing through the VPN will just be your browsing, or will, <laughs> all your browsing through the VPN through the VPN will be just between you and the VPN. So it's up to the VPN to not keep the records or delete them. Now, of course, they could say that they do not keep the records, or say that they delete them but don't. But then again, or there again, you have the option to sue the company through the court system we have for violating contracts. And that is one role of the government is to enforce contracts. So there is an article on the Washington Post regarding this. And I thought it was pretty fair for a Washington Post article. It's titled, What to Expect Now That Internet Providers Can Collect and Sell Your Web Browser History. And I'll read from here. It's a pretty long article, so I won't read it all. After Congress handled, 
handed President Trump legislation Tuesday that would wipe away landmark privacy protections for internet users, we received a lot of reader questions about what happens next. The legislation makes it easier for internet providers such as AT&T and Verizon to collect and sell information such as your web browser history and app usage. I think apps are probably even worse. Um, I've heard of apps being busted, you know, taking your photos from your phone and other data and uploading them. And I guess it's not really all that unbelievable. I'll continue on with the article, though. But let's get into details. You wanted to know whether the measure could help the government dig up dirt on people. I think the government doesn't need help to do that. They already have the back doors. Um, but continuing on here. <laughs> uh, you asked how to protect your privacy, and uh, some of you even asked how it would be how it would be possible to buy up the online browsing histories of Trump and or members of Congress. So again, the only true safe way is to either. Use a VPN that deletes or does not keep records or a ISP, Internet Service Provider. Um, otherwise, you know, even even if they have like the best privacy policy and they, they plan to keep all your stuff private, stuff can still get hacked, as we've seen in the past. Companies can get hacked, intelligence agencies can get hacked. Everything can get hacked. <laughs> if there are records somewhere, it can get hacked. Unless it's completely offline. And even that, it can be uh, physically stolen. So if it, if it exists, it can transfer hands. Put it basically. So I'll continue on with the article for the 10th time here. To find out, I spoke to a number of privacy and security ex experts who have been following these issues closely in the public and the private sectors. So in bold here, they have written, catch me up real quick. What did Congress vote on? Goes on to say, Congress voted to keep a set of internet privacy protections approved in October from taking effect later this year. So it, it hasn't even been enacted, nothing changed yet. It was supposed to, well, let me read that again. Voted to keep a set of internet privacy protections approved in October from taking effect later this year. So they did, I, sounds like it didn't even take effect yet. So in other words, nothing's gonna change from the way it always was. Uh, the rules would have banned internet providers from collecting, storing, sharing, and selling certain types of personal information, such, such as browsing histories, app usage, data, uh, local location information, and more without your consent. Trump must still sign the legislation, but is uh, but he is w widely expected to do so. Uh, and then another bold here, um, or in bold, Without these rules, could uh, could I really go to an internet provider and buy a person's browsing history? The short answer is in theory, but probably not in reality. Many internet service providers have privacy policies that could cover this type of information, kind of like what I said before. If an ISP shares or sells an individual personal information in violation of its own privacy policy, a state attorney general could take the company to court well, I think regular citizens could too, uh, says Travis LeBlanc, a former enforcement bureau chief uh, at the Federal Communications Commission. State Attorney General could also sue ISPs whose data practices could be construed as unfair to other businesses. So, um, I won't read much more or any, any more of that article. It's kind of going more over what I said. I don't want to keep repeating the same points over and over and over again anyway I'm going to take a quick break and continue on with some more stories so hold tight and I'll be back in a minute or two
vote do you even categorize this song as? I still never figured out my software issue of my volume levels automatically changing. It's pretty annoying. Tried every setting under the sun. Fix that. I think it's the browser doing it. I've read a little bit on it before, I actually found a script that constantly forces the volume at, a, at the volume you pick. You know, you think that you just be, would be able to do that with regular software anyway. Some nerve. It's a wonky thing about software. It's always doing a, a million things that you don't know about. Not just a, adjusting your microphone volume, but... <laughs> Sending your browsing history to third parties like AVG. Um... So yeah, I got a few more stories. I got the, the main ones out of the way. Uh, a little bit of follow-up from last episode. I had I talked about Andrew Napolitano and Tommy Loren uh, about their suspensions and so on. And uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano is back, and I think he's doubling down on his comments. It's an article on TV Newser. Whatever this is. <laughs> Judge Andrew Napolitano back on Fox News stands by surveillance reporting. An article by Chris Arenes, possibly. Judge Andrew Napolitano returned to Fox this morning. FNC. FNC senior judicial analyst was on during the news block of programming. Not in or not on an opinion show where Bill Hemmer began to ask him about his surveillance reporting two weeks ago, which got him sidelined until this morning. You still stand by that? Asked Hemmer. I do, said Napolitano, and the sources stand by it. American public needs to know more about this and not less uh, on that you know I'm gonna look up and see if we can get audio of that that'd be better Andrew Napolitano and Bill Hemmer there's a clip on YouTube uploaded by the Plitistic <laughs> Plitistic YouTube channel let's play this 40 seconds long here. Out a statement, I think it was 10 days ago, right. saying you were confident in the story that you reported here um, in the past month. Yes. You still stand by that? or Yes, do I do, and the, and the sources stand by it. And the American public uh, needs to know more about this rather than less, because a lot of the government's surveillance authorities will expire in the fall, and there will be a great debate about how much authority we want the government to have to surveil us. And the more the American public knows about this, the more informed there and Congress's decisions will be. Well, so no change then? Correct. And we'll see how the story plays out. We will, yeah. In time. Yeah. I think right. a lot more is going to come. Uh, more. All right, so he's confident about his uh, words that he chose <clears throat> and uh, confident about that more information will come on that. I'll continue a little bit from the article from TV Newser. During Fox and Friends segment two weeks ago about wiretapping allegations, Napolitano reported that three sources told him President Obama went outside the chain of command. He didn't use the NSA, CIA, FBI, and he didn't use the Department 
of justice, he used GCHQ, which is the British intelligence entity. And then he was off, according to some, benched for a while until, I guess, the 29th. So, benched for nine days, possibly, eight or nine days. And then, uh, Tommy Loren, on the other hand, is not back on the blaze after her comments on abortion, on The View. It also has been a story in the news. There's an article on The Hill titled, Loren Negotiating with the Blaze Over Control of Facebook Page. Conservative firebrand Tommy Loren says she's in talks with the Blaze over control of her popular Facebook page that has had more than 4 million followers. Loren was reportedly permanently banned from the conservative news outlet earlier this month. The Blaze owns her Facebook page. The founder, Glenn Beck, doesn't want to relinquish it, according to TMZ. So I'm not really familiar with Facebook, but uh, regardless, four million's a lot. Now, I'm thinking of the Young Turks, who is pretty popular independent news, or considered pretty popular. They're on YouTube. They have over three million subscribers, I believe. And uh, to compare Infowars on their YouTube channel, they have just over 2 million. And I don't know if Facebook, Facebook is probably, probably, if I were to guess, more popular for news than YouTube, though I can't say that with certainty. I think a lot of people also get news or at least opinions on YouTube. They're very popular news type shows. I'll continue a little bit more from this article. Loren was reportedly permanently banned from the conservative news outlet earlier this month. The Blaze owner, or the Blaze, oh, I already read that part. Excuse me. Uh, Loren tells The Hill that, quote, negotiations are ongoing. The 24-year-old University of Nevada, Las Vegas grad was removed from the network after appearing on ABC's The View and revealing she opposes laws against abortion. Saying she's against the government dictating anything from gun rights to what a woman, what women do with their bodies. Uh, and her, her program reportedly suspended. Why is that an argument to what they do with their body? I guess they don't see the other body in there or they don't acknowledge it. Now, I've heard people say that we're pro-abortion, that they recognize, yes, it's a, it's a living human organism with a purpose of surviving. Um, and, you know, that's why the, the body's purpose is surviving. That's why it's taking in nutrients and so forth and growing. Uh, they recognize that, but they are just uh, basically okay with killing it. Um, to pretend that the... Uh, the rights are strictly, or it's just strictly a, a thing about the woman. It's kind of misleading. Um, March 20th, Loren tweeted that she has moderate conservative and libertarian views. I'm human. I will never apologize to anyone for being an independent thinker. And then Beck reportedly tweeting back, wait, libertarian views, help me out on Trump care, stimulus, and executive orders. Trump is anything but a libertarian, so I guess Tommy Loren, really big Trump supporter. I haven't seen a lot of her stuff. Uh, I think she's probably because she's probably more popular on Facebook than on YouTube. I'm not on Facebook. I watch more YouTube than I do regular TV, I think. 
But moving on from suspensions of conservatives or whatever they are, uh, North Korean North Korea threatens war with U.S. after Senator John McCain called despot Kim Jong Un a crazy fat kid. So, don't be alarmed, of course. Uh, North Korea threatens war with the U.S. pretty frequently. Uh, there's an article on the sun.co.uk titled Fatty Fatty Boom Oon. I don't know what that means. Fatty Fatty Boom Oon. Well, I, I think it's just making fun of him. Um, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, North Korea threatens war with the U.S. after Senator John McCain called a despot Kim Jong-un a, quote, crazy fat kid. Cheese-obsessed Kim appears to have been badly hurt by fat shaming remarks. That's a subtitle. It's like, I don't know, but it's cheese obsession. Maybe he has one. Uh, article by Patrick Knox. North Korea is threatening all-out war with the U.S. after top U.S. senator dubbed their leader, Kim Jong-un, a crazy fat kid. Senator John McCain made the inflammatory remarks while discussing the tyrant's recent ballistic missile tests and his repeated threats to destroy the U.S. Let me show some pictures here of Kim Jong-un squeezing some, I don't know, I don't think it's cheese. It looks like thick pudding or something out of a tube, and he's walking by a bunch of pastries. But anyway, continuing on with the article, in an interview with MSNBC, McCain called for action against cheese and wine-loving Kim before it is too late. He said, China is the only one that can control Kim Jong-un, this crazy fat kid that's running North Korea. They could stop North Korea's economy in a week. Quote, they haven't because Chinese have to understand there's a penalty impo dot 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 imposed by us if they don't reign in an individual they can they can literally literally start a world world war and more importantly perhaps in the short term strike the United States of America so I, I guess in my opinion, uh, listening to McCain's or being somewhat with, with uh, somewhat familiar with McCain's rhetoric, um, it'd probably be a toss-up between him and King Jong Un, who starts the world war. They both like to threaten other countries, that's for sure. Um, I. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give McCain a little bit more credit, though, for using uh, maybe more professional wording. Uh, maybe not more professional wording than Kim Jong-un, but at least they're some of the statements coming from North Korea. And, uh, well, I mean, he did call him a crazy fat kid, so I guess that's not that professional. It's kind of funny, though. Let's see more international uh, barbs, verbal barbs here. There's an article on express.co.uk. EU could break up the US, junker and jaw-dropping threat to Trump over support for Brexit. European Union boss Jean-Claude Juncker this afternoon issued a jaw-dropping threat to the United States saying he could campaign to break up the country in revenge for Donald Trump's supportive comments about Brexit. So that, that sounds a little bit more harsh than it actually was. He was trying to draw a comparison. He was getting frustrated with Trump's uh, approval or whatever, saying, you know, the Brexit was good, other countries should do it, something of that nature. I don't know Trump's exact quotes. I don't know if this article says them, but he... Uh, in his in his frustration, he he says, "Well, you know, if Trump's going to be saying all this stuff. I'm going to advocate for the uh, the secession of Texas and Ohio." And maybe he's trying to be clever. 
uh, if he's really going to engage in a campaign to <laughs> well I let me put it this way I really doubt he will engage uh, a lot of his or devote a lot of his time to advocating Texas uh, secede from the United States and Ohio I don't think Texas and Ohio cares what this guy says well let's uh well we can listen to him but it's it's a translator you can listen to him in the background so brexit isn't the end here's a translation a lot of people would like it that way even people on another continent where uh, the newly elected u.s pre uh, president was happy that the Brexit was taking place and has asked other countries to do the same. And if he goes on like that, I am going to promote the uh, independence of Ohio and Austin, Texas in the United States of America. It's business as, Europe, as usual in Europe. We must continue. We must forge ahead. So that's, that's his actual quote as translated. Anyway, article says an extraordinary speech to the EU Commission president uh, said he would push for Ohio and Texas to split from the rest of America if the Republican president does not change his tune and become more supportive of the EU. So, uh, seen by some as some threatening mark. I don't. I wouldn't. I would hardly take that as a threat. But you know, whatever, whatever gets uh, whatever gets the clicks. And that's one of many. You know, that that website, along with all these other ones, like I think Daily Mail and what, what was one I just had up. I had up before the Express Code UK with the Sun. A lot of their articles are clicky clickbaity kind of articles they're most well most of them are celebrity oriented so they have regular news and and a bunch of celebrity stuff which probably gets the most traffic unfortunately so you just usually see on the side a bunch of celebrities in bikinis or lingerie or whatever they're uploading their instagrams I was just looking at, while that clip was playing, I was looking at Donald Trump's Twitter, as I usually do during the show. <clears throat> I missed quite a bit. So he's he's railing against the uh, media again. March 28th, Donald Trump tweets, Why doesn't fake news talk about Podesta ties to Russia as covered by Fox News? Or money from Russia to Clinton? And dash sale of uranium? And by the way, this is not his POTUS Twitter. This is his fun Twitter, at Real Donald Trump. Continuing more on March 29th, remember when the family in New York Times apologized to his subscribers right after the election because their coverage was so wrong? Now worse. I do remember that. I think I read that apology letter on the air. More tweeting more on the media if people of our great country could only see how vi uh, viciously and inaccurately my administration is covered by certain media uh, he hits the Freedom Caucus today 13 hours ago the Freedom Caucus will hurt the entire Republican agenda if they don't get on the team and fast he's talking about that garbage healthcare plan we must fight them and Dems in 2018. Yeah, I mean, I didn't read the, the, the health care bill, but I think the last thing we need right now is a 2,000-page health care bill with more subsidies. Uh, let's see. What else is he tweeting? Going to meet with China next week, it looks like. The meeting next week with China will be... China will be very a very difficult one in that we can no longer have massive trade deficits and job losses american companies must be prepared to look at the other alternatives so that's your uh daily or whatever bi-weekly trump twitter briefing from caldwell madison review 
only got a few minutes left. You know, I didn't say, I didn't mention the number to call in, but we are live as normal. Uh, as every Monday and Thursday, 8 o'clock Central Time. Um, but if you don't want to call in now, since I'm ending the show pretty soon, you can call in uh, another episode. The number is always the same, 602-753-3005, 602-753-3005. Article on the Washington Examiner titled, John Podesta Slaps Daily Caller with a Cease and Desist Letter. John Podesta slapped the Daily Caller with a cease and desist letter on Wednesday after conservative news outlet published a story about the former Clinton campaign chairman and Obama counselor. The letter sent to publisher Neil Patel by Podesta's counsel, Mark Ilias, I, I believe, singles out a March 26th article titled Exclusive John Podesta May Have Violated Federal Law by Not Disclosing 75,000 Stock Shares. In it, reporter Richard Pollock wrote, Podesta, quote, may have violated federal law by fa failing to disclose 75,000 shares of stock from a Kremlin finance company when he joined the Obama White House in 2014. Elias said in the article is, quote, as you know, entirely false, end quote. He said that the Podesta, he said that Podesta did nothing wrong despite numerous assertions in the article indicating otherwise the letter demands Daily Caller immediately cease publication of these false and libious claims libelous is that how to say that uh, it also demands uh, that a correction to the story be published clarifying that Podesta met his financial obligations in a tweet posted late Wednesday Podesta shared the letter and took a shot at President Trump Quote, false stories about me can't cover up Trump's growing Russian Russia problem. We'll see. Um, I don't know that it's growing, but it's continuing. It never seems to end. It's just one Russia story after the other with uh, no evidence ever provided. And uh, striking similarities with things that they accuse Trump of, of other people doing and not met with controversy. Let's see, Rand Paul meets Drudge, Matt Drudge in Washington. I don't know if that's a real major story, but I thought that was interesting. Drudge is pretty, I don't know if I say elusive, but doesn't seem to make service too often. Not sure exactly what they talked about. There's a couple quotes here. Quote, Matt Drudge has a phenomenal take on the news and is a leader who others in the business can only hope to emulate. Oh, this is not from Rand Paul. Uh, this is Rand Paul's spokesman, I believe. Sergio Gore. Telling Business Insider, quote, we enjoyed visiting him and we share a strong mutual admiration. They put an exclamation point in that quote. When, when can you ethically put an exclamation point into a quote? When you're quoting somebody in a news article, I wonder. Uh, article I'll close with here is on gizmodo.com I found interesting. This is almost certainly James Comey's Twitter account. An article by Ashley Feinberg. So I guess James Comey mentioned something about having like a private Twitter and you know no, knowing or being high profile using Tor or other methods as I talked about earlier if you want your internet browsing private anyway uh, use, using this Twitter account under that or those kind of methods here uh, I'll read a little bit from the article digital security and is discontents from Hillary Clinton's emails to ransomware to Tor hacks is in many ways one of chief concerns of the contemporary FBI, so it makes sense that the Bureau's director, James Comey, would dip his toe into the 
the digital torrent with a Twitter account. It also makes sense given Comey's high profile that he would want that Twitter account to be a secret from the world, lest his followers and faves be scrubbed for clues about what the feds are up to. What is somewhat surprising, however, is that it only took me about four hours of sleuthing to find Comey's account, which is not protected. And what not protected means that you, uh, the public can view your tweets if they know your handle, if you're at whatever, Twitter, jerkface or whatever, um, people can look that up. Read your tweets if you set it to protected, only your followers can read your tweets. Continuing on with the article last night, at the Intelligence and National Security Alliance leadership dinner, Comey let it slip that he has both a secret Twitter and an Instagram account in the course of relating a quick antidote about one of his daughters. And it says, who am I to say no to a challenge? So this person just dug through here and it was a combination between Instagram and Twitter, how she found what she believes to be his private Twitter, and as some of the stuff seems pretty convincing, she went through multiple steps here to do it and to come to that conclusion. It's not entirely conclusive. So I'll continue on here from the article. As far as finding Comey's Twitter goes, the only hint he offered was the fact that he uh, has to be he has to be on Twitter now, meaning that the account would likely be relatively new. And she go she goes through uh, all these steps here. Uh, he he has a son called Brian Comey, twenty two. She knows what college he went to. On and on and on. Well, anyway, she um, if you want to read the article, it's on Gizmodo. Kind of narrowed down, kind of ruled out. Um, so she found a tweet. Found a tweet on a Twitter account of Kenyon College basketball team, which the younger Comey played as an undergraduate. It showed Comey teaching basketball to some school kids. And the at mentioned the now dead Twitter account at Twitterfuzz, something like that. That account, if you search through its mentions, appears to have been previously owned by Brian Comey. If you believe the folks on Twitter are congratulating at Twitterfuzz for his dad's session to the head of the FBI. Let's see. And it leads her to some sport. Some, what? Not sport. Some Twitter account called Kenyan Sports. I don't know, on and on and on and on. Something about Instagram, whatever. There's nothing interesting here. Um, but I guess he liked some of these articles. If this is, in fact, his Twitter account, total of 39 tweets, or there is a total of 29 tweets the account has liked, anyway. Eight refer directly to the FBI or James Comey himself. There's some correlation between the, his Twitter handle and, and something personal about him and, and everything else, anyway. Yeah, four hours later, apparently James Comey liked some articles. One on Breitbart, will Democrat intimidations the FBI director Comey kill Hillary investigations? I like the tweet called, just says Chinese minister meets with FBI director. Another one says thank you USA and Comey for rescuing the game from FIFA's greed. Another one, FBI SWAT team arrests Queen crew before they can pull of off? I think it's supposed to be off their third armed car robbery. I don't know. Well, this article is that interesting. It's more interesting that, uh, that James Comey said he had a Twitter and this person believes to have found it. I guess, uh, as far as I could see, the article seems to be convincing, but I didn't do the research myself, nor do I care to. But what I do care to do is end this episode as we are coming up on time. So I want to thank you for joining 
Caldwell Medicine Review episode 51. And I hope you have a great weekend, and I hope to catch you on Monday.